0: Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for letting me be here this morning. My name is Josh Taylor. Um, This is my first time ever on this stage, and we are newer to the Columbus area. I want to tell you a little bit more about that because uh, it's really exciting for us, uh, some crazy things going on. So uh, me and my wife, Sarah, we've been married for 10 years, and uh, we have three kids, Silas, Judah, and Haven. Just the boys are with us uh, this morning, and they're probably terrorizing other kids in the gym right now. Uh, And it's just uh, really fun to be here. We lived in Akron for eight years. I was a pastor up there for a while. That's where, like, we had all of our kids kind of uh, established some roots and great connections up there, uh, leading at a church nearby. And then uh, just felt a calling uh, and a desire to church plant, and I guess not many people have that uh, desire. And so we started exploring that more specifically with a church in Hilliard called Movement Church. And uh, if any of you have been around for the long haul at Three Creeks, you uh, know that Movement Church is where Three Creeks had its beginnings. And so uh, we are there for the next year Um, exploring what it looks like to church plant here in the next 12 months and putting together a launch team. Uh, This is all new for us. It's new for our kids. I took my sons to a Columbus crew game back in May just to kind of start to get them used to the area and know that there's fun things to do. And I remember I was like, we're going to be moving here to Columbus. And my five-year-old, as we walked into the stadium, he goes, we're going to live here in this stadium? And I'm like, no, buddy. No, it'll be much smaller. Um, And so we actually have landed in Sunbury, Uh, which had never really heard of that uh, before coming to the area. Uh, It's just out there near Westerville. Some of you guys have told me you live out in that way. And uh, we're just really excited uh, to see what God has already been doing here in this area, uh, reaching people and transforming lives, but also like raising up uh, people in the area to be part of taking the local church to places that uh, are growing and need a greater gospel presence. And so we'll kind of join in the work there. And uh, in just a couple weeks, we'll even make a public announcement about the church plant and and start to put together a launch team next year. So, if you want to connect about that more, uh, come find me. My wife's not here this morning, she is uh, doing some photo shoots up in Akron, um, but she will be around sometimes as well. So, we're at the end of a series. Uh, We've been having about five or six conversations all around the book of Joshua. And so uh, you don't need to have heard all those conversations to get something out of today. But um, we're going to keep going through that conversation. We're actually going to wrap it up. We're going to be at the end of the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to wrap that up here in just a minute. And so um, we're going to be in chapters 23 and 24 of Joshua. If you have a Bible, you can flip there. We'll also have it up on the screen uh, so you can follow along that way. But if something kind of catches your attention today and you've missed some of the conversations we've been having, this is kind of a linear thought. This is one whole book of the Bible, and it's a great way to get a flyover for, like, what does it mean to be part of God's story? Like, what what is it like to understand his heart and his mind and how he interacts with people? You're getting a flyover of kind of a, a specific season and a group of people that he interacted with, and it can just reveal amazing things to you about what God might be doing even in your own life. And so in the book of Joshua, what we're seeing is the nation of Israel is uh, entering and occupying the land of Canaan, which is basically just the land between uh, the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which seems to be making headlines every day right now. Um, So ironic that as a church uh, walking through this right now, and it's also ironic that a guy named Josh is wrapping up the series on Joshua. I think that's awesome. This will probably be the best one. Don't tell Joel I said that. Um, This happened 3,400 years ago. So, like, what you're watching happen in the news every day, um, 3,400 years ago is when this land began to be hotly contested for, where um, people were territorial, where, where there was uh, not just uh, land debate but religious debate. And so we're, we're jumping in to the end of this story, um, and Josh wants to, Joshua wants to remind the people of where they've been and where they're going. And so uh, you'll read this here in Joshua 23. Let's see what he says. It says, The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from their enemies. Joshua was now very old, and he called together all the elders and leaders and judges and officers of Israel. And he said to them, I am now a very old man. We know that Joshua was 110 years old. That's super old, okay? Uh, I have a grandpa who lived to be 97 And every year he would come up with like a catchphrase. He would say like, 95, doing fine, 96, got my kicks. And then when he turned 97, he said, 97, go into heaven. And uh, he passed away this year. (laughs) And so he's like, whoa, that's like crazy. So Joshua has like that sense. He's like, I'm 110 years old. My time is up. I need to leave you guys with a final charge. I need to remind you of what I've seen. I've journeyed with you this whole time. I know you, I've seen what God has done, and here's what I want to remind you of. He says this, You've seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies, and I have allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered, as well as the land of those we have already conquered, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. The land will be yours, for the Lord your God will himself Drive out all the people living there now, and you will take possession of the land just as the Lord your God has promised. And we're going to unpack that today in just a minute. What, what did God actually promise? What, what is Joshua referring to? But you just need to see here that they're partially in the land, and some of it has been conquered, and he's kind of saying you've got to continue to transform this space into what God envisions it being. Like the work's not done yet. So remember what God has done. He got you here. He's brought you out of enslavement in Egypt. He's brought you through wilderness. He's overcome your enemies. And continue. This is the second reminder he gives them. He says, be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. So Moses precedes Joshua. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Make sure you don't associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you've done till now. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy, for the Lord your God fights for you, just as he has promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Okay? Two warnings that Joshua is giving. One has to do with the land, right? He's saying, God brought you here. Um, This has been of him, and he's going to continue to give it to you. And the other one has to do with their hearts. Joshua knows these people inside and out. He's been walking with them for 110 years. All right, He, he was in Egypt with them, he's gone through the wilderness with them, he's seen God do miraculous things, he's led the charge into this land to fight off enemies. He knows what these people are like. He's seen them at their worst. He's seen what they've been like as they've traveled through a desert. He's seen what they've been like as they've had to fight off enemies, how they respond to God, how they deviate to God. He knows them. And so this this advice is not just a couple things he thought up. It is holistic of his experience of them. And he also knows God. Joshua led them. He followed the voice of God. He was one of the few in the generation before who were actually faithful to listen to what God was saying and act upon it, to believe that God would answer his promises. And Joshua is an excellent leader here because he remembers why they came to the land. He doesn't want people to forget it, that they are there because of God's power, but he wants to caution them to keep their hearts close to God. So here's what this is all about today. That conquest, right, for, for God, the great conquest was not for the land, but it was for people's hearts. It would, it would be a greater priority to the Lord God that the people's hearts would stay aligned with him, stay warm to him, and stay near to him, than that they would simply get the land. We're going to... Um, unpack this a little bit today, because I think that what we're reading is not just relevant to people who conquered modern Israel-Palestine 3,400 years ago. Since Joshua is speaking not just to these people, but also to, like, what the human condition is like, the things that someone who would want to have a walk with God, who would want to know God, who would want to begin to see Him work in their heart and life, Joshua has a ton of wisdom and caution here that I, I want to give us uh, today to carry back with us. And I kind of want to give us three heart checks. Heart checks that allow us to say, okay, um, if I was there with Joshua, and if I was being charged with these things, where would my heart be at, and maybe where am I at today? So here's the first one, all right? The first heart check is that after times of waiting in wilderness, it is easy to prioritize comfort over God's calling. It is easy to prioritize comfort over God's calling. Okay, so we sold our house in Akron the last day of June, and we were nomads uh, staying with other people until the end of September. And so for several months, all of our stuff was like in storage. Actually, it was in storage once. We moved it to like Movement's office. They have like this big barn shed thing. We just like stuffed it on there And then their youth pastor was like, get this out of here so I can have teenagers in it. And so then we moved it up to Sunbury and to our storage unit. And we uh, shared homes with people. Actually, someone at Three Creeks allowed us to stay with them for the month of July. And then we stayed with someone else in August. And there, our boys had to share the same bed. And if you put a five-year-old and eight-year-old boy in the same bed, they want to murder each other. And it was just intense. And there were cats. And I don't particularly enjoy the fluffy demons, and it was just this crazy time of like, where's that thing? I think it's in storage. One time, so uh, our car got totaled the first week we were here, and I was uh, trying to find the title to take it to the insurance. And I remember just opening up the storage unit and being like, I'm just gonna pay ten dollars to get a new title. <laughs> like it was just a nightmare, and wanting it to be over. And finally, when we like got into our house and we we got you know everything out of storage and the kids didn't have to share the same bed anymore and we could just be settled somewhere. It was so nice to be like, oh, we made it. We made it. But have to remember, the reason we moved here wasn't for a new house. It wasn't uh, just to put all of our stuff somewhere else. It was for a calling. This is the same thing that Israel's going through. They... they um have been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. (laughs) A lot longer than three months of having your stuff in a storage unit and having to hang out with some cats. Okay? Way harder. And before that, they had known that this land was supposed to be theirs for 700 years. So generations upon generations of God's people are wondering, when's God going to finally do this? When's he going to act on our behalf? And maybe you think that 700 years is a really long time for God to wait on answering his promises. I think it serves a little bit as a reminder, not that God is unfaithful, but that me and you and each generation of Israel leading up to those promises being fulfilled, we are only part of that story. When when we start to see ourselves as the whole story, that's when comfort becomes our end goal. It becomes easy to settle in. I told you we were going to put a pin in in God's promise uh, about this land, and I want to take you there now. It's in Genesis 12, and it simply says this. The Lord God said to Abraham, Go from your country, leave, leave your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. So they finally get into the land. They finally get all their stuff out of storage. I don't know what they had, donkeys or like uh, <laughs> furniture, like what they had all brought there. And they finally get to settle in. They have a place they can finally call home again. And wouldn't it be easy to become complacent? to say, we finally have what is ours. Joshua is reminding them, don't forget why God brought you here. And it says it right there. You will be a blessing. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's why God is bringing them here. That's as difficult as it is and as much time as it would take to reconcile why God is divinely ordaining basically the takeover of an area. The most simplest way we can understand that is God believes that if his people were there, they could be a blessing and transform the world around them. He, he wants to do a transplant. And it's, it's a much bigger conversation, but at the heart of it, God believes if these people are committed to my way, if they value people the way I value people, if they become generous and merciful, if they become people who advocate for the needy and for the, the wanderer and for the foreigner, if they become people who treat women and children with respect, if they become people who help everyone in the community to flourish and not just live with selfish agendas, this would be a kind of people who would bless the world. They would change the world. And so Joshua warns them to be careful to follow God, to cling tightly to him, to be very careful to love the Lord, to make sure their hearts would remain aligned with them because the whole reason that God brought them to this land in the first place was to be a blessing, the blessing that God knew the world needed through him. And eventually, we know that Israel will fail to remember this. And this, this is such a challenge, I think, for us still today. The challenge of the wilderness, if, if you've ever gone through a, a season of wilderness or waiting, you're waking up every day with anxiety, you, you feel like life is so uncertain and unknown. We've been through times like this. You might be in times like this where it just seems like every day you can't have clarity. You can't, you can't grip on to anything that seems to be trustworthy or lasting. What happens is we begin to see this wilderness as the difficult thing God has to take us through. We, we, he wants to take us through that. The temptation of the wilderness is, is to not go through it. To say, I can't trust you in that space, God. You're too quiet. You, I'm too alone. This is too much to bear, and I won't go through it. And so, so we wait. We wait at the line of the wilderness And we don't walk through it. The temptation of the land, if you've ever said yes, and you've walked through times of waiting and times of wilderness, the temptation of the land is to feel like that was the end goal all along. And you deserve it, and you need to do everything you can to keep it. The land is just as tempting as the wilderness to ignore God's calling and we have to see that Jesus has the same vision for us if, if we follow him. It says in 1 Peter 2 that we were brought out of darkness into light so we can display the goodness of God so you can be a blessing to others. And Joshua warns them not to let their hearts grow comfortable and forget God's calling. Now here's the most interesting part of the story and this will lead to our second heart check. Joshua warns them and they're like, okay, tell, tell us what to do, Joshua. And he goes, okay, well, we, we got to, we got to renew the vows with God. you got to recommit yourselves to him. This is what he says, Joshua 24. He says, Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that they served beyond the Euphrates? Or would it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And the people replied, We would never abandon the Lord or serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. And as we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. And then Joshua warned the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. And if you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. Joshua, you totally wrecked this pep talk. You're like, you're like, guys, you need to be all in with God. And they're like, we will. We promise we'll be all for God. And then he goes, but you can't do it. (laughs) It's like, dude, no, like... You're supposed to be like that's when you ask him to like give financially or something, and you like get them to like you know Annie up again for the calling, right? Uh, it's like not good vision casting, Joshua, but he knows the people, <laughs> and and he's like wants them to understand their own hearts. That guys, I know things are okay now. He uses some pretty severe language that can throw you off if you're not used to navigating the Bible. But he reminds them, God is holy, right? He is sacred. God is set apart for his own purposes. We don't get to like manipulate God and, and bring him onto our agenda. We always align our hearts with his agenda. He is God, he is holy. He lives for his purposes alone, not the other way around. It says that God is jealous. This is weird because we don't use this word in a good way. But he's reminding them that God is, is a jealous God because he wants all of you. He's not okay uh, only having half of your heart because he, deserve, he believes that you are a lovely and beautiful human being who deserves only the, the greatest thing that life could give, and, and he knows that that source is found in him. So he gets jealous for you, the same way a spouse gets jealous when you find texts that some, your spouse is flirting with someone else. Your heart gets angry, right? Like it's, it's severe emotion. You're like, this isn't okay, I'm not okay with that, this has to stop. And God longs for his people that same way, not with a self-serving jealousy, but with a loyal jealousy. And he wants all of you. And, and he, Joshua says something strange here. He says that God wouldn't forgive them if they did this. You have to understand you're, you're reading an ancient language, and, and some of what this is just trying to heighten is that because God is holy and because God is jealous and because the reason he brought you to this land was for this purpose... If you wander from that, he's not going to just turn his eye and ignore it. He, he's not going to just allow it to continue on. He's going to pursue you because this is his plan for the world, is to rescue them. And so it's severe language. It's serious because he wants all of them and he's warning them again to be careful that they have a weakness and they have a tendency that is dangerous. So here's the second heart check. You need to, we need to anticipate that our hearts will often wander and mislead us. That's what Joshua is trying to to shake them up with, with his uh, lousy pep talk and and this severe language about God is he's trying to help them remember and anticipate and expect what their hearts are going to do because he knows what their hearts are going to do. Have you ever heard that the only constant in life is change? This is what Joshua knows. He knows you guys are going to change. He knows what their hearts are really like. He's saying don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself for long. Don't trust yourself exclusively. Be very careful about trusting yourself. Two months ago, I got a text from my mom, and uh, it just said this. It said, uh, do you have a minute to talk? Which, if you're a pessimist, you know that means something's wrong. Um, (laughs) So I read that, and I'm like, oh, no. My mom asked if we could talk for a minute. Something horrible has happened, and I was right. Uh, So I I talked to my mom. She goes, hey, um, just want to catch you up. Everything's okay now. But your dad just got out of a heart cath procedure. And I didn't know my dad was going to have a heart cath procedure. And I didn't know he had any heart problems. And so I guess the night before, they were going on a walk. And um, he began to get short of breath. He felt really nauseous. He was having chest pain. Uh, tried to take a break. Didn't go away. Went home. Took some antacids. Was just wondering what's, what's off with me. Maybe I should just tough it out. They decided to go to the ER out of just an abundance of caution. So they go to the ER. Everything comes back really normal except for one, uh, something on a test. And they're like, well, we're going to keep you here overnight. And they keep him there overnight. Next morning, they decide, we're going to do a heart cast just to see what's going on in there. And when they get in, they find that there were two arteries that were nearly completely blocked. My dad was who knows how long away from having a stroke. And so they put the stents in and they sent him home, and he's fine. He was here last week playing with my kids. <laughs> So if you ask my dad, hey, are you doing okay? Is your health okay? Yeah, it is. It's okay right now. But there, there was something unseen and something unknown going on beneath the surface that once a, a doctor was in there, he could see it. He could see where the danger was. He could see what life could look like a few weeks or a few months from now if a full blockage or if a clot was formed and he have a stroke. This is what Joshua sees in the people. He's watched them go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with God. And they were supposed to be faithful and fully devoted to God. And they said, we, we will do that. We've, we've seen what God has done. And Joshua says, I know you will for now. But I know that all soon enough, just like us and any other human being, we're eventually going to forget about God and move on to other things. And we'll adopt new loyalties and convince ourselves that everything's fine. And that's exactly what happens in the years ahead as Israel lives in this land. They were charged to continue removing people from the land and to bring in God's way of life. But instead, they allowed the nations around them to influence their way of life and their perception of God. Just flip over a few more pages and you'll go to Judges 2, and this is what it says. It says that Joshua dies, and after that, a whole generation had been gathered up to their ancestors, a whole generation leaves them, and another generation grows up who neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Can you imagine that? God being this faithful to his people, to give them the land, to to warn them at the end with Joshua, to give them Moses' law of instruction, which was basically a, a handbook to know God's heart and mind. And one generation goes by, and no one remembers the lord they forget god they compromise who they're called to be in this land they they blend in with the rest of the nations instead of being a contrast blessing and this is what happens you go read judges you read the next book of the bible the cycle repeats over and over and over again people follow god then they forget about him and wander they experience oppression they repent they say we're sorry They experience God's deliverance. They have peace and follow God. And then they forget and wander. And then they experience oppression and again and again and again. Do your hearts wander? Absolutely they do. Way faster than than we think they do. Our hearts wander. Do our hearts mislead us? Absolutely they do. Way more than we think. I've been a pastor long enough to know That is true about myself and it's true about other people. It's it's not about being cynical or hardened by it, but you need to be aware of it. You need to be sensitive to it. My biggest concern in planning a church is not money or buildings or quantity of people, but it's what I call discipleship. It's a resilient vision and strategy that aims for the church to grow, not in its name, but the people who are following Jesus with their hearts. If people aren't willing to do that, your church will fold. You will not be walking in the vision God has for you as his people. And this was Joshua's concern. So you have to anticipate it. You have to expect it. What does it mean? Like, what do you do with that? What what do I mean by anticipate it? It means you have to wake up every morning and ask yourself, where's my heart at today? Where did it end yesterday? Like, what emotions are actually going on? What are my loyalties? What are my priorities? It means you have to have a barometer that's anchored in what God says is true, not just whatever people are arguing about today. It means you have to have written down somewhere words that will remind you of God's promises and calling on your life, even when... It doesn't feel like they're true for the day. You need to have people in your life who will journey with you and who can speak truth into you when you veer off and wander and say, hey, where are you going? Cut that out. Come back. You can't make easy answers for yourself and just justify attitudes and circumstances like, well, God hasn't stopped me yet. Eventually what God warned, right, was that he would take them out of the land. If you can't, Be this people for me. If you can't be a blessing to the nations, I'm going to take you out. The same way I took the people out who were in it before, and that's what happens. They are taken captive by a foreign nation. They're occupied by their enemies. And God's blessing of the land is taken away from them. But we read this at the beginning of our story, at the beginning of our message today, the time. The time. The Bible is not a story of discouragement. It's it's not a hopeless book. It's just an honest book. (laughs) It just tells our lives in the way we, we wish they weren't told, but if we're being honest, this is what they're like. But it's not a hopeless book. God promises this when they're in exile, when they're out of their land. He says in Ezekiel 36, I'm going to gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. I'll sprinkle you clean Uh, I'll sprinkle clean water on you. You'll be cleaned. Your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow all my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. And you will be my people and I will be your God. Our hearts will be united. They needed more than a better commitment to God. They needed new hearts that only God could give them. This is, this is our last heart check, just, just a reality check. Only God is able to transform the heart and make us whole. This is why Joshua was so frustrated. He's, he's dialoguing with the people and he's trying to warn them. He's trying to give them some self-awareness. But he knows that at the end of the day, when is God going to really not just conquer the land but conquer their hearts? Like, when's he going to make everything right again? Because he knows even the people who he's been leading, that Joshua's been leading, he knows that they're fickle. He knows that they wander. He knows what they're like. And the answer to that is Jesus. And what Jesus comes to do is he comes to be the blessing for the rest of the world. He's the one person who is faithful and embodies God's love and mercy and character to the people around him. And Jesus just isn't a great guy. He is someone who can transform us. He, he can do the heart surgery to remove the places in our life where we're stubborn and we're hard of heart and he can make us warm to God again. He can bring obedience. He, it, it says that when he left, he sent his Holy Spirit. That is Bible talk, for God is always with you, and God is now answering his promises here in Ezekiel for you. That that you will be his people and he will be your God, that he, he will put a new heart in you, a new spirit in you, so that you actually can hear him, so that you actually can return to him, so that Christ is always redeeming and restoring your life. He won't leave you. It's so much more than just acquiring land or getting rid of enemies. God wanted people who were fully devoted to him and devoted to his mission to bless the world around them. He knew they couldn't get that in their current condition. It's hard though, right? When you've walked through seasons of wilderness and waiting, When, when you know your heart is wandering but you don't want to admit it or you don't know how to come back, when there's so many mixed messages and voices who are trying to say, this, this will satisfy, this will make it better, this, this will actually take care of that anxiety, this will actually get you excited about life again. There may be things that can adapt our life or bring a fix here or there, but only God can make us whole. And so Joshua warned them to be careful not to miss it. Does God have your heart? Will you allow him to give you a new heart when you wander? He warns us to be careful not to just think we've gotten what God wanted to give us and then move on from him, to let him still guide us, to keep our hearts warm to his voice and his guidance and his direction. Jesus can do this work in you as well. God is not done doing this. He doesn't give up on his people. He doesn't just stop being active in his world. Even when it feels like over those hundreds of years, God's given up on his promises or his story, God is completely committed to his people and and his mission. He can do that in your life. I want to invite the band out and let them kind of close our time together, but let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are a faithful God and that you know us through and through. And that you are not harsh or demanding toward us, but you are gentle and you have grace and mercy for us that are beyond anything we could ever ask. And I just pray that you would warm our hearts again, God, that if there have been places where we've failed to let you in or failed to let you guide, would you help us to see you for all you are, to fall in love with you and your, your heart for the world around us again, God, to be a blessing to Allow you to not just transform the things around us, our circumstances, but transform people and their hearts as well. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.